Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yay! I feel like that was like the intro of a. It is. So is it some kind of game show or something? Yeah. Price is right. That's what it is. Well, the gold pieces are right. Yes. How much for this sword? Or this piece of bread, Shelley. What's your bid? I will, well, I, it doesn't matter. I guess it depends on whose game I'm playing in. Because in Tito's world, that bread would be like 40 gold pieces. It's true. In another world, it might just be a copper piece. Oh, my gosh. Now I really want to have like a little segment that is like the prices, right? But for, but for D&D uh, yes. things, like that would make me extremely funny. It, and I, that's the kind of stuff I love looking at in our books is like the how much does an elephant cost? Yeah, right. Or do like a supermarket Amount. sweep. Uh, <gasps> but instead of that, you're getting like did magic you, items. Did you know Supermarket Sweep is back on Netflix? Did you know? I feel like that's just a gift. That is a gift from the gods. I know. And they're very like artifacts at this time. You're like going oh. into what it was like back then in the before times. In the before, like actually going into a grocery store. Yeah. I watched but, the first one and there was there was a lot of shade being thrown at their previous incarnation. Did you watch the first one? It's like, uh, oh, oh, contrary to the last format you might have seen for this, we've really cleaned it up and made it more. And it was almost like they got like notes from their producer and they decided to oh, just wow. like add that into their shtick. Uh, yeah, weird. But wow. it's, it's, it's there. Uh, it basically, yeah. you see game design uh, happen and commentary on the game design of Supermarket Sweep happen in real time. I love it so much. And I, I honestly, because I used to watch that show so much with my mom, that when I am in a grocery store, like oh, there is never a time that I, it doesn't pop into my mind when I see like a giant like ham hock or something. I'm like, I would put five of those in my cart right now if I was on Supermarket Sweet. Because you're right, those are the most valuable. In the, in the diapers, they always put lots of diapers and saline solution, aspirin. Yeah. I think of it all the time. There's strategies involved there. We have totally turned into our parents too because I've had those conversations where Aaron and my wife will be like, why did you get this? And I was like, oh, because it was on sale. She's like, how much was it? And I was like, it was this much. <laughs> She's like, oh, that's actually a really good deal. I'm glad you got that. And you should have like, got five more. I know. I was like, you should have got more. I'm like, I will next time. Let's go to the store right now. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, the things that get us excited. It's true. It is sale. Dragon Talk. I forgot to tell everybody about that. Uh, I'm Greg Tito. This is Shelly. Hi, Shelly. How you doing? We talk about Dungeons and Dragons on here. Sometimes 70s game shows. And sometimes 70s game shows. It's very true. We have a very exciting interview coming for you for this episode. We are talking to Brittany Leonagay, and she is a producer and star of D20 Dames, a actual play podcast. Uh, we've spoken to a couple of cast members of D20 Dames in the past, uh, including uh, 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 Jennifer Vaughn, as well as uh, Kat Kruger. Um, and it's very exciting to see someone uh, who is the producer of editing the podcast, you know, in the, in, 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 in the background, right? Yep. It's like, background it's like we get and to, foreground. It's like we get to uh, interview Ryan Marth, who makes the Dragon one, Park podcast. One day, one day he'll let us. <laughs> I think we did it as a fill-in one time, and we never actually aired it uh, when we were doing our streaming ones. I don't think you were. I think it was just me talking to Ryan, uh, which is one of the reasons why we didn't end up airing it, uh, because Mm -hmm. I do think we should uh, do that as a bonus episode, perhaps uh, later on this year. That's awesome. We can't wait to talk to Brittany. Also, we've got some fun stuff coming 
for Dungeons & Dragons that you should be aware of if you're not already, uh, including how to revampify your game. How would I revampify my There's game? two fun ways uh, that you can do that. One is with Curse of Strahd Revamped, which is coming out October 20th. It is a $100 box set reissue of all the fun stuff in the Curse of Strahd adventure broken out into easy-to-use booklets uh, as well as some nice, fun goodies and artifacts in there that you can use in your game, including mm-hmm. a Dungeon Master screen. Yeah. What else? Taroka deck. Taroka deck. An oversized Taroka deck for, oh. you know, the over 40s. That might have a it's shiny. It's foil-stamped. It's so cool, and it gives instructions on, um, you know, how to use it in the game, but... What's stopping me from just doing some Taroko card readings? Anything? I know. Nothing. Nothing's stopping you, Madam Ava. I think it would be fun to do. Uh, But there's beautiful postcards in there as well that are very adorably themed to um, locations that you may encounter in the adventure. And you can use those to, to invite your friends to come join you in this wonderful adventure. What's more enticing than a well designed postcard? Nothing. No. Is the answer to that? Yeah. The booklets are really nice, though. It, I, it is nice having the adventure in a separate book and then all of the monsters in a, sep- in a different book. So you don't yeah. have to, you know, flip through back. You just have everything kind of separately and easily referenced. So cool. Uh, it's also, as we noted before, a really large box. Oh it's God, not it's a small large. coffin. It's a big one. It is quite large. Yes, it is. It's the um, only way we were able to put um, a small recreation of uh, Chris Perkins in each and every box. They had oh, to be that baby big. Perkins. <laughs> like a little Perkins doll. Yeah. That would be so cute. That would be very cute. Um, Unfortunately, get- I'm just joking about that. But in the <laughs> amazing Beetle and Grimm's uh, edition of Curse of Straw that is also available at the Beetle and Grimm's Pandemonium Warehouse... Website, uh, you'll have finger puppets that you can add to your game. They are so cute. So cute. Very cute renditions of NPCs and characters that your players might meet in Curse of Strahd. So uh, you can use them at the table uh, as well as scare your children with them because they are supposed to be a little bit of the the scary toy variety. Mm. Uh, Very cool stuff. But they're still adorable. And what a fun way to delight your players as the dungeon master to just bust out finger puppets. Dun, dun, dun. And what a great way to treat your dungeon master. You know, if you want to say thank you for all the work that you do and putting these campaigns together and all this preparation and all these great improvisational skills. That's right. You can get Here's them. a gift. Either the Curse of Strahd revamped books, a bo- box that's coming from Wizards of the Coast, or the Beetle and Grimm's uh, edition, which uh, will be coming a little bit after that and is still available on their website. So yes, two but great not ways, for long. and not for long, right? It did seem as we talked to Matt uh, last month, you know, that they were going fast. So yes. make sure you pre-order those. Yes. Also, uh, want to make sure everyone is aware of the Great Dalmuti. Oh Do you know God. what the Great Dalmuti is? It's so fun. Yes, I do. It is a wonderful card game. Um, that is, It's a classic card game designed by Richard Garfield. Um, 20th anniversary is this year. First published, obviously, by Wizards of the Coast. This year, to commemorate that wonderful anniversary, there is a 
beautiful Dungeons and Dragons version of The Great Del Moody. Haven't you always uh, wanted to play like a version of, um, I can't say the name of the (laughs) the card game, President, we'll say? Yes, yes. you know, with a D and D theme, like it's it seems like a, d- a dream come true as a way to have like kind of a social interaction play game that has some D and D themes going on. Absolutely, and this one you can play with up to eight players. <gasps> That's a lot of players. Yeah, and nobody has to like go sneak behind my back and try to make rules for like six people, like Dungeon Mayhem. We're just people? letting you. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no reason why you couldn't just combine decks and just. Go for it. But it is very easy to learn. It's fast. It's funny. It's great for kids. And the art. I know. The art is fantastic. I would even want just to have the uh, card game so I can blow up the images on the cards. They're so cool. Uh, I'm going to agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry uh, Conway is the artist. Harry Conway? That. He's cool. He does good work. Um, and then finally, we've got Tasha's Cauldron of Everything coming November 17th. It is full. Like, I mean, we use the, the term chock full. Yep. In, these, in this house to describe Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. There's subclasses for each of the subclasses in the player's handbook. There's an entire new class. In fact, the Artificer, which was published in the uh, Eberron campaign book we published last year at this time, uh, reprinted here with an additional subclass available in that Tasha's. Um, also, there's great DM tips, oh. things for running puzzles, yes. for including group patrons, for kicking out your sides with those sidekicks and rules on leveling up them up even more so and how to uh, incorporate that in your game. Um, there's just... Magic items, spells, tons of great stuff. Tattoos. Uh, tattoos. Tattoos. <laughs> we need to get some of those magical tattoos. We really do. Hey, yes. Because as discussed in a previous episode, we don't have any tattoos. Right? So the only thing I could think of is to cast a magic spell on I my skin. I've been holding out for the magical ones. <laughs> it's, it's, we've been holding out. Yep. Yes. I, great book. Great book for players. Great book for Dungeon Masters. So much good stuff in here. It really is. I can't wait. Yeah, and there's two covers. Uh, The alt cover is available from your local game store. Highly recommend you check them out because uh, they need your your business uh, during these times. So uh, what a great way to support them and also get a really cool alternate cover that you can only get through them. Um, But then also it'll be available... And a standard cover. I, 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 I like both of these covers, really. I love them both, too. They're two of my favorites. Yeah. November 17th. I like Tasha. Big fan. Tasha's cool. She's cool. She, uh, ever, ever since I got to hear uh, Brandy Camel do her voice acting as the laughing of Tasha, uh, I was sold on that character. I agree. And, and how much uh, Brandy loves Tasha is also very endearing. So I know she was very excited to get to voice her and her hideous laughter. That sounds like a new... Uh, you know, talk show or something like that. Brandy loves Tasha. Oh, yeah. We'll have to figure out what happens. Yes. Yes. Well, I want to figure out what's occurring with this segment. So let's give a little listen to our D&D designers as they expose some amazing topics. 
Welcome to another Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Mr. Chris Perkins. Hello. Hello. Today on this segment where we like to delve into bits of Dungeons & Dragons lore, just, you know, in case you want to use it in your game or because it's really fun to scare your friends, we are going to talk about Curse of Strahd revamped and some of the denizens and monsters that inhabit the Domain of Dread known as Barovia as described in Curse of Strahd. Uh, we've talked a lot about you know the vampire villain as well as mm-hmm. a lot of the themes around gothic horror. Um, and some of those come to life in uh, some of the monsters that player characters might uh, experience in Barovia. True, true, true. And uh, a, a deliberate effort was made to shine uh, the spotlight on monsters that sort of... Um, scratch that uh, universal monster itch or feel like sort of came from an older time um, or or sort of body some classic horror trope. Yeah, and, and like classic horror, you know, there's needs to be moments along the way before you get to the climax of, uh, you know, potentially uh, contending with Strahd himself. Uh, you're going to meet his denizens, maybe some lieutenants, maybe some people who have nothing to do with him are just evil in their own right. Um, but it all it all is kind of setting the stage for that showdown uh, at the end. Correct. And so, I mean, uh, some of the low-hanging fruit, of course, is uh, just going for developing things that were in the original Ravenloft adventure. Um, for instance, uh, uh, if, if you ran that classic adventure in one of the rooms in the castle, you would find a group of hags, uh, witches basically in one of the towers gathered around a cauldron and having a good time. Um, and so, you know, we, with Curse of Strahd, we said, okay, well, we're going to make sort of Barovian witches a thing that we can play with and maybe have them show up in a couple other places. Another monster that appeared in the original adventure was this idea of the Strahd zombie, which is a special kind of zombie that Strahd himself creates. Because in addition to being a vampire, Strahd is also a practicing necromancer. Oh, um, I, I've a been a non-practicing necromancer for some time. <laughs> <laughs> I know we, we all dabble in it at least, but some of us are more dedicated than others. Um, but Strahd definitely is, is big into the, the necromantic arts and is, a, is unusual for a vampire because he's a spellcaster as well. And he creates zombies to haunt the bowels of his castle. Um, and they're more intelligent than your typical zombie. Um, but they like brains like all zombies do. Uh, and so, but we knew we wanted Strahd zombies to obviously show up all over the place, whenever possible, in Curse of Strahd as well. Oh, so not just in the castle, but all around. Uh, yeah, they show up in other places when you least expect them. And then, of course, other things that kind of fall into the general gothic horror are things like were creatures, lycanthropes. Yeah. Um, and so um, as, as we were expanding Barovia's borders and showing more of the domain, there was more room to insert werewolves and even odd um, things like were-ravens. Um, which is, I've always been fond of were-ravens because uh, they, they sort of emerged during the second edition era when the Ravenloft campaign setting was in full swing. As uh, they were among the first, or one of the very few good-aligned lycanthropes. 
uh, lycanthropes that weren't out for blood or carnage. And, um, and because ravens, you know, Ravenloft. It's right there know, in the ravens, title. It's right there in the title. It seemed like we could do we could do a lot with ravens, and there are a lot of superstitions and myths about ravens. Like, are, do they collect the souls of the dead and things like that? And, uh, the idea of these these monsters that exist in Strahd's domain but are actually at odds with him, mm. um, doing things against his wishes, and the fact that they're were ravens means, hey, they can they can sort of hide themselves, disguise themselves. Uh, fly among normal ravens, serve as spies and agents of good and things like that. Um, there was a lot of, a lot we could play with there. Yeah. How, how, how did that come about? How did the idea that, that were ravens, which, you know, they're, they're, they're dark, they've got black feathers, you know, all the hallmarks of being evil, uh, you know, even that old idea of, you know, Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock, the birds, like, you know, the birds are not necessarily thought of as, as good creatures, especially ones mm-hmm. with the with that dark coloration. So, what, uh, what was that in the original Ravenloft adventure that they were this this force for good? So, were ravens did not appear in the original Ravenloft adventure. Um, they first appeared as a new lycanthrope in the Ravenloft campaign settings of Second Edition, like in when we did um, we did a Ravenloft monstrous compendium mm-hmm. in Second Edition. That was basically just a collection of horror themed monsters, and the were ravens appeared there. I think um, the reason that they were painted as good was simply because we wanted more good aligned lycanthropes. At that point in time, we had the were-bear that was like the only good aligned lycanthrope in the game. And we had so many other evil ones where rats, where tigers, where wolves, where, you know, where panthers, where, where, where everything you can imagine. Um, shark wares. So shark, where sharks was a thing. Yes. We had where sharks. Um, Okay, well, that, with, that makes sense. But, with were, but, uh, but I've always been fond of were-ravens, and so it was really my mission to try to get them into Curse of Strahd and, um, and have them there because the characters could find themselves just surrounded by enemies everywhere, but it's, it's kind of reassuring in a way for them to discover, once they discover that the were-ravens are about, mm-hmm. to know that maybe there's something they can count on you know, uh, somewhere they can go for help if they're in trouble. And, uh, and that's kind of what we use the were-ravens for. They're like a secret society in Barovia that is uh, a secret society that the characters could get behind. That makes sense. You don't want everyone to be uh, creepy and non-helpful. You need uh, some allies. Right. Um, yes. And in a, in a realm that's ruled by a vampire, the secret societies are the good ones. Right? Yeah. Those are the good guys who are trying to stay under the, the vampire's radar. How do the Vistani uh, fit into all this? That's a very good question. So um, in the original Ravenloft adventure, uh, which was released in 1983, Vistani, that name hadn't really come into play yet. The, the figures you meet in the adventure are just called gypsies. Um, but then uh, with second edition, uh, the term gypsy sort of uh, uh, went away mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Yeah, it's known um, as, a, as a slur against uh, yeah, the Roman exactly. peoples and we removed exactly. that. Exactly. And, and so with second edition, there was a, uh, an analog, a D&D analog created, which was the Vistani. Um, they still held to a lot of, um, they, they clung to a lot of the same um, characteristics. 
characteristics in a lot of ways. You know, they're they're obviously nomadic. They move they move about in wagons uh, often. They they um, they're tight knit groups, uh, generally kind of small and scattered. Uh, so the the Vistani really sort of came to life in second edition and were a very I think a popular. They they became kind of synonymous with the Ravenloft campaign setting. Um, part of their their charm or appeal was that unlike any other creature, Vistani can move freely through the mists of Ravenloft and go from one domain to another. So from a practical point of view, if the characters really wanted to get around or get away, they either wanted to be Vistani or they wanted to make some deal with Vistani so that they could get out of one domain and enter another. Um, that that flexibility uh, made the Vistani very handy as a narrative device, yeah. both for getting characters into a domain of dread, but also giving them a, a way of escape if necessary. That makes sense. Now, do they operate within uh, Barovia? Do they have settlements there? Uh, settlements insofar as temporary camps, hmm. yes. Like um, uh, there, in the original Ravenloft adventure, there was a gypsy camp next to a lake or a river. And that evolves um, in later adventures um, to be Vistani camp. And in Curse of Strahd, it is a Vistani camp where you encounter Madame Eva, this uh, Vistani woman who's very good at uh, card readings, um, who sort of sets the characters on a path to, on a, on a collision course with Strahd um, and gives them a card reading that tells them what they need to, where they need to go and what they need to find in order to prevail in a conflict with him. Um, so that's a, that, that idea of the Vistani fortune teller was in the original adventure and survives in the Curse of Strahd adventure as a narrative device yeah. to sort of set the characters on their path. Now, one of the great things about Vistani is um, uh, their paths have uh, broadened over the years so that they can travel literally almost anywhere in the planar um, cosmology. You can find them on different planes, not just in the Shadowfell and such. They're basically just, they're like D&D's equivalent of planeswalkers, right? They just sort of move around here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, um, so and they quite, even use cards to, uh, <laughs> to, to great <laughs> yeah, effect. It's, it's kind, of, kind of weird that way. <laughs> that, that sort of works out. That's pretty um, cool. Uh, all right, so, the so, things, so they yeah. might be used as a, uh, as a guide or as a uh, perhaps, you know, uh, an yeah. exciting incident as, with Madame Eva, but if exactly. you need help. yes. And like like any like any human uh, people, they they run the full range of sort of emotions or alignments. You can encounter good ones. You can encounter bad ones. Uh, you can encounter yeah. some that are that fall that walk the line in between. Uh, there are Vistani who are opposed to Strahd. There are Vistani who are in cahoots with Strahd. Uh, you know, it's the same is true for Barovians. You find good ones. You find bad ones. Yeah. Um, it's a uh, um, I think that uh, there's a lot of dimension to uh, to them as a people, uh, just like there are lots of dimensions to Barovians that you meet. So, uh, so yeah, on that tip, uh, you know, are there some of the humanoids that are typical player races uh, available? Like, are, are there dragonborn in Barovia? Are there elves? Are there uh, gnomes? When we, in the original adventure, because it was so kind of rooted in, in sort of this Eastern 
uh, European um, sensibility. Uh, you, I think the impression was there was probably a lot of, uh, not a lot of diversity there. But one of the things we wanted to make sure we were conscious of um, in Curse of Strahd was sort of clinging to this idea that because Strahd is a conqueror and he sort of um, swept across many lands and um, that there would be, that the people of Barovia would be uh, quite mixed that they would have come from all over or have been driven from other places into Barovia and kind of settled there. And so uh, you would get uh, a, a very wide ranging palette of what you'd find there, not just humans, but also non-humans, more fantastical races like tieflings and elves and halflings oh, okay. that we would expect to find them in the Barovian population. Part of that is just doing service to the game, knowing that in the game, characters have all these fantastical options in addition to the human option. Right. We wanted to make sure that we're not excluding anything. Um, so if you want dragonborn uh, in abundance in Barovia, there's nothing stopping you from having as many dragonborn characters as you want. They can, you can palette swap pretty, pretty easily with the yeah. NPCs that are there. Yeah, that makes sense. Exactly. Barovian is not a, is not a uh, thing we, uh, it's, it's not a, it's not synonymous for human. It's just, you live in Barovia, you're a Barovian. You could be a Barovian halfling or a Barovian dwarf or whatever. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, there are some other monsters that are not necessarily unique to Barovia, but are you're likely to encounter. Um, so what are, what are some of those? I think you mentioned the, uh, what's happening at the, the, the winery. Yeah. So the, the winery has, um, uh, it, it's, it's run by uh, a family, uh, the Martikoffs. They have a secret, which I won't spoil, uh, but they are beset by creatures that are sort of native to the, the wild forests of Barovia, which are things like wolves and blights. Blights, of course, are creatures from the monster manual. They're malevolent plant monsters. Uh, they range in size from small twig blights, which are like little stick monsters, kind of creepy, Blair Witchy kind of looking things, to to the the more human like uh, needle needle covered uh, blights, who who hide themselves well in coniferous forests and who kind of look like walking zombies, but they're basically covered with pine needles mm. that they can fling. Um, so they're they're a they're a threat. Um, I always think outside, of creepy, uh, creepy scarecrows too. When I when I when I think of scarecrows, do appear in Barovia. Um, there's there's some scarecrows that guard the lair of a hag named Baba Lasaga, who um, in Curse of Strahd was basically um, is framed as Strahd's former midwife, mm. um, the woman who sort of gave birth to him. Oh, I see. Um, she haunts a swamp that's guarded by scarecrows, and she walks around in a, or she basically lives in a walking hut, uh, which is of course Baba a Yaga. nod to the, the the mythology of Baba Yaga and hags walking around in chicken footed huts and things like that. I yeah. love that. Uh, so, I mean, just to, to clarify, scarecrows in that situation, how are they constructs? Yeah, ah. yeah. Uh, a scarecrow in D and D is a construct made using the soul of uh, a murderer. Oh. 
So all those fun so. scarecrows I see uh, are actually <laughs> dressed in flannel shirts. Uh, they're actually animated by the souls of murderers. Great. Thanks, Chris. That makes me feel better. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're generally pretty bad. Oh, that's terrible. Um, now, there are, there are a few surprises in Curse of Strahd, like, um, you know, the, the Chucky, mo- the, the, the Chucky uh, analog, which is the animated doll. Yes. And basically lives in the form of um, the the sort of animated puppet boy. Uh, the, um, uh, she used to that. great effect uh, in your in your <laughs> weekly show. Uh, yeah, I was, I was I was fond of him. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean another thing that we wanted to deal with was uh, when we were fleshing out the village of Kresk, which is the most remote and far flung of the villages. Um, we, we really kind of were into, we're, we're dealing with two things. One, uh, the Bride of Frankenstein idea of the golem. And then two, the Island of Dr. Moreau mm. idea, which is the experimenter on people. Um, the idea of combining um, uh, people with beasts. Not in, the, not in the same way that lycanthropy Does deals that, with... Yeah does that where you're seeing like two sides of the same person. No, this is actually science gone wrong. This is, this is an endeavor to make something new out of two separate things. The, the horrific hybrid um, and, 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 and wrestling with the, the horror of that is like, um, this is here. We have the, the concept or the, 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 the comedic tragic concept of the creature that should never be, but is. And then because it is, what is it and how do you deal with it and how does it cope uh, with its existence? Um, I think that's a, that's a thing to, that we, we wrestle with. Like when science goes too far, mm-hmm. how far can science go before it becomes obscene? And then um, when, when something is created, what are its rights? What are, what is it entitled to? Is it entitled to freedom? And then, you know, how do you as a player character feel when you come across these creatures that have been made and they're all locked up in an asylum? It's like, is that right? Should we let this stand? It's horrifying, really. Um, and, and dealing with that horror, I think, is, of course, what this adventure is all about. Yeah, and you present uh, a lot of different avenues for that type of moral quandary where, uh, and that's you know, at the root of all horror in some ways, uh, and it's some of the reasons why it is so fascinating as a, as a literary genre in that it is, on its surface, very visceral and emotional, yeah. but it can hide beneath that exterior, like, as you said, I think in interviews before, showing a mirror to us, to, yeah. to humans and what yes. we are capable of and what we can do. And, and those yeah. can be really great themes to explore. Yeah, some monsters are born and you know they, they exist as monsters and they always have. But uh, I think Gothic horror deals with monsters that are created. Yeah. Monsters that we either create in ourselves or monsters that we create out of other things. Um, and I think rest and dealing with that is really one of the core tenets of a, of a Gothic horror story. Yeah. 
is, is the monster within and the monster that you have made. And you have this framework where, in Curse of Strahd, where you can deal with all these different uh, themes, yeah. right? Right. Yes. You, yes. You'll go to one area and think about these, you know, these created monsters. You'll go to another area and uh, have blights uh, and and have to have to deal with them. Uh, and then the overarching theme of 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 the vampire lord of uh, Strahd himself and the entire existence of this domain in general and what that means. And, and I, I feel like yeah. there's, there's layers here and you can explore different facets of the human psyche uh, by going into it. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, in an adventure of this size, there's so, so many tropes that you can tackle. Um, and, but some of the, some of the things were kind of late ads. Like we did not early on talk about the idea that, um, Strahd's armor, for instance, uh, would be a thing that you would encounter by itself as a creature in and of itself. Uh, that came about because as we were looking at the art for Strahd that we customarily see, like on the cover, for instance, yeah. you almost never see a picture of Strahd in armor. And yet, in text, he's described as this, you know, this great warlord, warrior, general, uh, who fought battles on horseback um, on his on his steed Bocephalus? Uh, and one of the questions during the writing that I had to myself was, "Whatever became of his armor? Did he just hang it up somewhere? Is it just like on a rack waiting to be donned?" And then I thought, "Well, no. It might be more horrific if you're parading around the castle and you suddenly hear this clinking, clanking sound." And this thing rounds the corner and you realize it's just this empty shell of Strahd's armor that's still patrolling the walls and the halls on its own. Like Strahd made that into a monster. That is, that is very chilling. Yeah. And it's a part of himself. It's part of the deeds that he did while wearing it. Exactly. So it's got this history surrounding it. It's this sort of old armor. Um, and it's got sort of a, a bit of his essence suffusing it. It's like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So many fun uh, tropes to jump into. And what, you know, we mentioned this before, but, you know, you uh, might have played this at one time, maybe back in 2016 when Curse of Strahd was first uh, released. But now you can return to all of these great tropes, definitely during this Halloween time. Uh, Curse of Strahd Revamped is available October 20th. Perfect time to jump in and play through some of these themes, revisit them with a new group or, or with your old friends, and hopefully save Barovia and the denizens <laughs> within it. Real and imagined. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Chris, for uh, taking us through what is uh, in store for people when they pick up Curse of Strahd Revamped. Uh, if people have any uh, questions or just want to show off some of the fun stories that they've been able to explore, uh, you know, using the the, the Taroka deck and the uh, adventures that you put in here. Uh, how can they do that? I'm on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. Excellent. Can't wait to see all that fun stuff. Uh, thank you again, Chris. And we will be back with some more interesting DND information next week. Thank you, Greg. That was fun. Oh, I feel like I know so many more things now. Uh, these All segments the things. always make me happy. My brain is a cauldron of everything. There's so much everything in there because you have drank all of the cauldrons. 
Yummy. It was delicious mold cider in that mm. cauldron. That's not, it's getting to be that season. It is that season, isn't it? Yeah. I can't wait. I've been starting doing fires in my in my fireplace. Oh, we we actually just bought a whole bunch of firewood because nice. it is the season. Oh, you get now that you actually have a chimney that won't um, I know. explode your house and fall down. Right. We got brand new chimneys up in this piece. Yeah. Uh, that means that there will be witches dropping off cauldrons and or whatever in my chimney. That that's why people have chimneys. That, that is from that, back is, in the day, so witches what? could drop cauldrons down them. <laughs> you don't know that. I that's some fair. lore that you should know. I, now I should. You're right. Uh, 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 uh. I am excited to learn more about the lore behind podcast production and making a podcast yes. with the next guest. It sounds fascinating. Should we call up Brittany and get yes. her on the horn? Yes, very excited. Let's do it. Everyone, let's welcome Brittany Leonagay to Dragon Talk. Welcome! Yay! So excited Hello. to be here. Hi, Brittany. Thanks oh, for having me. This almost Great tore my here. ear off. Jeez, I was in my enthusiasm <laughs> to have you here. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to come to that, but wow, <laughs> me too. But it's so it's very exciting to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we have to provide all of the uh, the enthusiasm of an in you know in, in yeah. St yep. studio audience. Yeah, so. I, I feel the energy. It's and like it's, we're here. We're all together. It's, it's dangerous work sometimes, but it's, right. a, it's a risk that I take to make our guests feel at home. You do Much a lot of uh, dangerous work, Brittany, on the <laughs> D20s, a uh, D20 Dames <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Oh, Very yeah. Dangerous. So dangerous. That crew, <laughs> so they, dangerous. Are, they are wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A podcast which is known for not doing too much combat, but talking our way out of situations. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. kind of our, our MO. Yeah, yeah. Yes. My favorite yeah. uh, bits are all of your downtime episodes where it's like yes. downtime. And I'm like, oh, that's, I mean, I, I love that that is being dramatized because it's such an important part of, uh, of the D&D &D experience. It's so much fun for us. We, um, we haven't actually we kind of have peppered downtime in like throughout our episodes now, but we used to in our first season, second season, we used to have explicit, you're about to level up or you just leveled up and we're having downtime. What did, what are you doing? And like Maris who plays Rose would like go to the shop and then interact with the shopkeeper and make our DM cat, like give that shopkeeper a name and a backstory and personality. And it was, those things are so fun. And you could skip them entirely. What we thought would happen was people would just skip those. And what ended up happening is people were looking forward to them. And in our like reviews, people would mention, oh, their downtime is so fun. And we were like, wait, people want to hear that? People want more downtime? This is okay. Because it's most our most fun thing to do, like role play, heavy, heavy role play. So yeah, yeah that was a pleasant surprise when we first started doing those. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, and it's because there is so much raw creativity happening in those episodes, as you said, like it's just improv, uh, which uh, you are a big part of, right, as far as embodying some of these NPCs, uh, especially in later, <laughs> later seasons, right? Yeah, in fact, I don't know any other podcasts that actually do this, but I would love to hear more because I'd love to meet people that do this. But when we first started, I knew I was going to edit the podcast and I was going to like act as producer. And I wasn't exactly sure what that was going to take. And when I started diving into like the software, I was like, oh, this is going to be hours of my life. <laughs> like, this is going to be days. And so I wasn't sure that I wanted to actually build a character and play it. 
And so I presented that as like an option. I was like, hey, y'all, what if I didn't play a character? Hmm, interesting for a D&D podcast. What if I just <laughs> edited? And everyone was like, yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. I think we have enough of us playing. But as we started, Kat, our DM, who was like writing all of our adventures, was like, what if you played an NPC every now and then? I was like, oh, okay, I could I could do that. And so the first string that I played, I played Sildar Hallwinter, which is not an NPC that Kat invented. He is exists in, in you know, D&D lore. Uh, but I started playing Sildar as like the, the quest bringer, basically. And people loved him because I just played him as like a goofy version of my dad combined with like a retired Disney princess or Disney prince. And uh, he was just goofy and like not at all what I think Sildar is supposed to be and like is written as, is like, you know, Lord's Alliance fighter. I was just like, nope, he's going to be super weird and he's going to be super goofy and like has a bunch of kids who kind of resent him. Like it'll be hilarious. <laughs> and it was hilarious. So I ended up playing him over and over and over again. And we kept bringing him back. Um, and then when the dames moved on from Phandalin, where like Sildar kind of is stuck, uh, I started playing another NPC. I started playing one of our character's sisters. And yeah, it just kind of worked. You know, I'm not playing a play playable character. I don't, I have a character sheet, but it's kind of been dictated by Jen, who plays Riot, the, the sister of the character I was playing, and Kat, the DM, and we kind of just like collabed on it. And I get to know like Kat's secrets. You know, she tells me yeah. things, hey, in this next episode, these couple of beats are supposed to happen, and I need you to kind of push this over here. And it just like, it feel it felt like it was going to be a little forced, but when we play it, it doesn't feel that way at all. It feels super natural. I'm just kind of like DM Junior, like <laughs> kind of there on the side, like pushing things along. It's it's really fun. It's really interesting. Yeah. I so you as you're talking and you, my eyes just went wide because the, I think this is a brilliant idea, especially for a new dungeon master, who, you know, having the NPC, a uh, more experienced player or dungeon master playing the role of all these NPCs, because the way you said, like, she asks you, like, I need these beats to happen. I need you to help make that happen. What? Yeah. That, that is such a cool idea. Yeah, it worked again. For, at first, we we're like, is that going to feel like maybe that's a little but like, no, it's what she's doing really at the end of the day. But yeah. I can help it out from being like kind of the person on the inside. Um and yeah, it's worked out really well. I can also do the same thing. Like if, you know, if uh, Jen wanted to make something happen or have a conversation, she could tell me like, hey, is it cool if Karen does this thing, you know, this episode? Like it, it can kind of work for everyone. Yeah. Um, and not just not just the DM. So yeah, I, as much as I can, I talk about this relationship that Kat and I have built where she's a DM and I'm an NPC because it really is, it's added some really cool storytelling aspects to our 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 whole arc that I don't think we would have gotten any other way. And also it gives me time to not have to like think about what this character development is going to be. I kind of just get to come in play. I'm like a character step parent or something. Like I just jump in, I play <laughs> the fun stuff and then I like peace You're out. You're the aunt. No consequences. You're I'm the, the aunt, aunt or yeah. uncle. Yeah. I don't have to make any, when they're make a, mess. Like a real decision, I'm just like, mm, I don't know. What do you guys think? It's yeah. great. I'm the cool it aunt. It's like you are. You're exactly the cool aunt. You just come in. Everybody, you get everybody riled up, and then you leave. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's bedtime. Right. See you later. Exactly yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. this is. It's also a really. I could be a cool way to get somebody into D and D playing that maybe has a little hesitation or I, you know, like 
you just show up and just be this shopkeeper that like, you know, mm-hmm. interacts with us once in a while. But do your yeah, NPCs, yeah. are they like essentially, are they part of the party? Like, do, do you go off on adventures with them? And So Sildar wasn't. Sildar was like around sending you off to do other things. And then when you came back, he would, you know, pay, write you a check for doing the thing. You know, he was just kind of like typical quest bringer NPC. Um, Karen, who's Riot's sister, joined the, like actually joined the party, um, which was a little bit of a different dynamic and worked out really well. So, you know, I do participate in combat and I, um, the only thing I didn't do is level up really. I kind of was in stasis (laughs) as an NPC um, while everyone was leveling up around me. But yeah, it, it uh Karen is an actual member of the of the party um which is in again because I try not to make too many decisions because I know a little bit too much um it often is me be like being there to facilitate things but not making big calls not if if I'm if me in character as Karen wants to really go fight a thing, I'm not going to distract the whole party to go do that thing um, because it's not it's I want the playable characters to be able to do that. But unless Cat um, told you to, <laughs> or like unless, asked you to, yes, which does happen. Sometimes Cat will say they're really going to want to go do that thing, but we've got to go over there. <laughs> it's like yeah, because it's the other thing too. We are playing, but we're recording a podcast. So like if this were a home game this idea of me playing an NPC would be really, really fun. And I probably would take it to different heights. Um, But I do try to stay on track. We don't, we're not a podcast that's on rails in any way, but we do have a story. We do have like deadlines and schedules and, you know, the stuff that comes along with having a podcast. So um, it just adds a little bit more consistency into a, into a game that can be, you know, not consistent at all. And that's what people love about it sometimes. So what I like about this setup, and it's it's similar to what I've heard of, uh, say, the Dragon Friends do something similar, where where they have a a, a performer who is basically all the NPCs uh, for for the group, um, changing his voice and stuff for for different ones during the course of a session. So they'll you know they'll be in a session, mm-hmm. but they and I've heard of you know like uh, um, the guys from D four who are co DMs and they have a similar thing, right? And I, but um, what I like about all this is that it it breaks down the barrier between like story games and D&D like cuz D&D has this ab- idea that the story you know the, for better or worse this is an idea from 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 when it was first published but that the story comes from the DM like the DM is the the only player at the table that can shape the reality um and then i think as we've gone closer to you know to more modern games and RPGs you know that that is shared more with the players, like the ability to world build and and create and embody these NPCs is shared a lot more with everybody at the table. And you're just embodying that, you know, to a T, right? Like being like, oh, I, I have my own agency. I can do things I want to do, but I'm also taking cues from everybody else and mm-hmm. being that, that, that glue between what used to be a very adversarial relationship. Yeah, yeah. When we started D20 Dames, which I didn't even tell you guys what D20 Dames is. I mean, you, I know yes. you know, but yeah, when we started, so three years ago, we started, which is so long, that time, what is time? But three years ago, we started this podcast and we decided we were going to play D&D. We decided we were going to be, you know, all female cast, uh, all female, like produced, like we were just going to do it all of our, all ourselves, start from the ground up. We started with this premise that we wanted to do, we were all very excited about the role play aspect. We were excited to play D&D too, but we were excited mostly about role play in general. And so we, I think, pretty quickly wrote like kind of a, a log line for us that was like, 
uh, you know, D20 Dames is a storytelling podcast powered by D&D. And then we, we, we had that and we were like, oh yeah, that is, that is what it is that we are trying to do here. We are trying to tell a story. We are trying to create characters and rich backstory and all of this stuff. And we're not going to put that all on Cat. We're going to do it together. And it's going to be mechanically D&D underneath. Um, so we'll roll and we'll roll up characters and we'll have combat and we'll do those things. But at the expense of like, you know, the story is first. And so once we locked that in and we felt like we knew what we were doing, then things like me not actually playing and being an NPC was not that hard to conceive, right? We're like, oh, well, we're a storytelling podcast. Um, It also meant that when we started, we had to make some decisions around like, well, do you have to know how to play D&D to listen to our podcast? Do we need to keep in things like explaining what this role is or explaining what this spell does? Or do we just say instead of saying what mechanically this spell does, you just describe what it looks like. And is that enough, right? And so I think at the beginning, we just did all of that. And then I edited it as I needed to. But um, it made decisions around what to keep in and take out really easy, right? Because you have this kind of like mission statement. Um, and we, if we had switched that mission statement, statement around and said, we are a D&D podcast with some storytelling, right? I think we would have a different podcast, right? I think we would maybe explain roles more and get in the nitty gritty nitty, details and get into like, you know, the classic case of like, can I do this spell in this amount of feet? Or, you know, like we would get really tied up in those like details. And we just, we just don't, you know, Kat uses her best judgment and lets us do what we generally want to do. So yeah, it's interesting that that one sentence kind of shaped what we're, and what we're still doing today. Yeah. And when I like that you say you're not going to put that all on Kat, who is the dungeon master, but so what is the, like how, how are the stories generated? Like, what's the dynamic between players and Dungeon Master? Like, do you guys contribute? Like, do you say these are the types of stories we want to tell? Or is it just inspired by what Kat is is laying before you? Yeah, Kat is a genius. Uh, she's an incredible writer. Um, it's wild, some of the stuff that she comes up with um, on very short notice often. But... <laughs> When we first started, she sent out like a Google form that was like a survey, you know, to tell about your character, give some details. Like, I think it was actually pretty extensive. I think maybe also when I got it, I was like, oh, I have to do this. Maybe I should just edit. I think that maybe was the <laughs> thing that made me scared about being a player. Because it was very long. It's very, oh no, Kat, please. Let me choose the technical ears. side of yeah. things. Uh, <laughs> and I know that. editing a podcast cannot be easy. So for that you chose that route instead. <laughs> filling I, out your Google form. <laughs> you know, some days I'm like, maybe I should have filled out that Google form. <laughs> but it was extensive. Yeah, Shakespeare's, exactly. It was really extensive. And, but everyone filled it out that was playing, that they were playing characters. And I just recently found out as we were recording um, our season three finale and like kind of interlude thing for between season three and season four, we did like a behind the scenes uh, little chat chat back with each other. And some of the stuff that had been revealed in those episodes we just recorded were from that form from years ago, from three oh, years wow. ago now. She's like, oh, well, that's something that Maris thought of oh, wow. in the form. I was like, what? What? How? What? Are you kidding me? So this is why I say Kat's a genius because, you know, at the time, all the output of that form was probably just, you know, 
complete random stories, complete random fiction that people, we all just made up for our characters. And she's still inter like, you know, weaving it into the story today. Um, so that's from the very beginning. And then I know she has side, we have a Slack and I know she has side conversations with Jess and, you know, Hey, what is Lariah's dad? Give me some storyline about Lariah's dad. Or if Lariah were in this situation, how would she react? So I know that happens. I'm not part of it because I also like to be kept in the dark about something so that I have like real reactions when we record. Um, so I know that that's happening all the time. And, um, it's like, you know, a continuous process, but it blew my mind that she's still pulling things from that Google form. That is um, all these years later, it's all coming into, into play now. Amazing. I mean, yeah. uh, now my, my kingdom for players that want to write that much black story. <laughs> I, I want, I want that sometimes, uh, you know, I know the, the that's people are just like, yeah, no, he's a, he's a fighter and he's going to swing a sword. And I'm like, all right, but you know, give me give me something that I can go off of, even if it's one detail. And it's great that there was this wealth of stuff that Cat could uh, could pull from. And it is, you're totally right. Like being able to that ability to take random details and present them in such a way over, you know, a three year period, um, that is a form of genius that I don't think everybody has. Yeah. Yeah, she amazes me every single time we record. There's something, you know, she has, she also has all these characters, you know, I say, you know, I play a single important-ish NPC and she's playing 50 not as important, but still actual NPCs, right? She's keeping all of these things in her head. So, you know, I could gush about Kat all day. She's just really, it's a lot, it's a lot of work that she puts in the podcast and I'm always kind of talking about it because you don't, you don't realize it's also something that I like, you know, it's a word of warning of like, you know, it would be that hard to do this if we were doing an at-home game, right? It would, she would have that much work. She would have that much to do, but she mm-hmm. does it on a schedule. She does it and we record it. It's just, just, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. It is. Yeah. Cat does thing. not make me want to want to be a dungeon master. The more you, know, you, you sh- tell me I about her. I should be selling her it a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, she's she is amazing, and uh, but you know your your whole group is amazing because you're all like you said contributing to that that story. Yeah, and we we've, we've had uh, uh, Jen and Kat on uh, Dragon Talk before. It's been a little while since we've been able to check in with them, but uh, you know they they bring such a wonderful thing to this podcast. But it's really exciting to talk to you because that production side of things is not something that we really discuss a lot on this, right? And there is. A lot of people out there who are listening to this who, you know, were thinking about starting up a, po- a podcast or a, a video series um, using Dungeons & Dragons in a similar way, you know, as a, as a framework for, for storytelling. Um, but what could you give uh, as guidance to some of those, uh, those people? Because, you know, you, you had to do it within a travel by, trial by fire to a certain way of like how to mm-hmm. figure yeah. out how to edit and make all these, you know, things come to life um, in ways that, uh, you know, might not be the instinct when you're starting a project. Yeah, I, ooh, this is a tough one. So hmm. we, it's, so when we started, we treated everything we were doing as a business. I think when you take, you know, several business-minded perfectionist women <laughs> and you put them together. <laughs> the recipe for fun. Sounds yeah, great. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but the output, you know, it's like one plus one plus one. Like the output can't be anything but professional 
perfection, right? You can't, there's no, there's no weak link in the chain that doesn't exist. Like we're all up here trying to just do exactly the perfect thing, which had problems, right? Took us a long time to kind of ramp up and we wanted to get all the perfect gear before we even started. And that was a little expensive. You know, I wouldn't recommend that for anyone, but it's the way that we went. And so we had really, really clear intentions when we went in. And those clear intentions were, we're going to try to record with the best quality we can and we'll improve it as we go, but at least let's have a good starting point. We are going to edit the podcast. We are not going to just play a game, record it, and then put it on the internet. I say that because that is totally valid. That is totally a thing you can do. If you're already playing a home game and you just want to record it, whether it's for like posterity's sake, or you just want your mom to hear it, or you want to maybe build a following of people that are listening to your home game, that is awesome. Like I would, why not do that? You were all in our in front of our computers anyways, you know, record your Zoom call, record whatever you need to record and just, you know, put it up on YouTube. Why not? Um, if that's what you're going to do, make that intention known, right? If you have one person in your group who's like, oh, wait, we're just recording what we're doing and not editing it. And there's going to be no cool sound effects and right. Like, you already have misalignment. So when we went in, we knew that's not what we were going to do, but not to say that that's not something that you can do. It's just about making sure everyone's on the same page <laughs> because mm-hmm. that's a awkward thing to learn <laughs> after you're like three recordings yeah. in and you're like, wait a second. <laughs> so things like that are, are really important to talk about. But that whole, the aspect of just kind of putting it up on YouTube or putting it up on a podcast feed um, without editing it, without, or just editing out, you know, maybe breaks and chunks like that. That's, that's something that I would say, I mean, I kind of wish I did that with my very first D&D session that I ever did because it was actually remote. We were all on a, uh, you know, discord call and we could have done that. And now I think back and I'm like, oh, there was these fun things we did. And I'd listen to that. Like I would listen to that, but I don't, we don't have it. Right. Cause it wasn't a thing, normal thing to do. So maybe, maybe start there, right. Just start recording your, yeah. your own home sessions. Um, if you want to go further, Sure, try it. But again, know that it's going to be some work. Know that maybe if you're playing a character who has a really big storyline and you're going to be the editor, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. it just takes a lot of time. You know, and you have a full-time job and also a part-time, you know, it's, it's, it take some of these things take a lot of time. That's another thing that we tried to be clear about with our podcast is like, we have members of the group that are like, business members and contribute to the business because we actually have like an LLC behind our podcast as well. Those people will be like, we'll have business meetings and talk about like money and like sponsors and like boring stuff like that. But we also have cast members who are just there to come and play and contribute to the story. And then they don't necessarily need to care about the business side. If they want to be involved, they can let that be known. And then we can make sure we include everyone. Um, But having that separation is really nice too, because if you want to be a group of five and two of you are, are like kind of leading the production side of things and three of you are just playing, sure, as long as everyone agrees, that makes a lot of sense. But it's like, this is the the product manager in me is coming out because it's really just about setting those clear intentions and like, you know, listing down what everyone's roles are, even if one of the roles is you're just playing. That's yeah. fine. Just as long as it's written down. It sounds basically like you need to have a session zero for not just the campaign, but for your endeavor in a way. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. you need to be like yeah. clearly define your roles, you know, know who is going to be, 
you know, the tank as, as far as uh, uh, business stuff goes and who's going to be the pure creative and, and you know, yep. who's going to be the spellcaster weaving all of the audio uh, together into something that makes sense. I'm yep. stretching this metaphor. But, uh, <laughs> it was yeah. I, I was that's, on yeah, that was good. I was, <laughs> I was following. Yeah. So, wow. You I should know, write this down. <laughs> I'm taking notes right now. Um, but it's, it's really interesting because a lot of people don't realize the work that goes into it, right? Like there is these roles and there are, it, it can be very tempting just to be like, oh, you know, we'll just throw on the microphones and mm-hmm. we'll make it a done. And you can certainly do that and learn as you go, which, which uh, many people have done before. But having some of this experience of... Um, you know, creating this podcast and making it work and, and having the amount of followers and listeners that you do, you know, you do, it, it, you get a leg up when you, when you um, plan ahead, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Project managers out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's the other thing too that we did when we first started, which was gave our, we gave ourselves a buffer by uh, starting our set. It was kind of like a session zero, but it was like a playable session zero where we used um, pre-written content. So we used the Involos Wake adventure and we used a couple of sessions of that as our first like kind of, like almost like a pilot. We almost Mm. like basically recorded a pilot and that meant that Kat didn't have to write a bunch of content like ahead of time and also write a bunch of content that was going to be recorded on really crappy mic setups and like, you know, you, you, you get the kinks out, right? So we actually have like our first three or four episodes is this like pilot. And we ended up calling it our, our season zero. Um, so that if you want to start at the beginning, we recommend you start at our season one, which was after that. And then it's all Kat's original content from there. Um, but you could go back and listen to those old ones. That was a really, I don't know whose idea it was, but it was a really good idea because in the, the worst case scenario is that those turned out terribly and we could have just not released them. We ended up releasing them, but it gave us that opportunity to test out even, oh, the other thing is we had never played with each other before. We had never mm-hmm. played D&D together. Um, and also, uh, Kat had only DM'd like a couple games before this. These are all yeah. wild things when I say them out loud, but it, it is. this and, is true. <laughs> and it's amazing that it's worked so well, but, yes, but it has. I think there's a lot of luck al- along the way. Um but yeah, so we started really, really from like the kind of base. It's really just a testament that like if you want to do this and if you have any desire at all, you can do it um, because we did it. That's kind of like, yeah, that's the best I can tell you. Good, good lessons. So yeah. ed- editing can really um, shape a story, obviously. So mm-hmm. like, do you have creative freedom from the group to kind of, you know, do do what you think is best for the story or do you have to like run bigger changes by them or how does that work? So I take, so sometimes while we're recording, you know, Kat will take some notes of like, oh, there was a weird section here and I, it, it's, it, it kind of threw us off. If you want to just take that out, you can. Okay. Um, so sometimes I have notes like that. Most of the time I'm taking out things for timing and like beats. Um, often, a lot of the times it's like roles and people doing math. Uh, we're all brilliant, but you know, sometimes the math is hard. And so I'm often taking that out. So it makes it sound like we, you know, roll 16 and we just knew it right away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> magic of editing. You're welcome, dames. Um, we're all brilliant. Uh, <laughs> um, sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's, so the other thing that we do is I will edit the full, I will edit to my heart's content. I will just 
take out what I think should be taken out. And then we do like a a feedback cycle. So maybe it's Jen's week and she'll listen to it and find other things that she wants to take out. But we have, since we've been doing this for several years now, our rhythm is kind of there. We used to have everyone listen to it, which Mm. is so much time for everyone. (laughs) So we've cut that down. Um, But yeah, and then we also used to, speaking of like editing, making the story, and this is maybe a tip or not a non-tip, at the very beginning when we were recording years ago, we all were like, oh, it'd be cool if we had tavern sounds. It'd be cool if you could hear the creek. And I'm like, yeah, that would be cool, wouldn't it? Uh, (laughs) Not doing that. (laughs) Only because I'm sitting here spending eight hours, you know, editing a single episode, figuring out how to, at the time I was using GarageBand, which was like maybe the biggest mistake I'd made. Um, I'm now using Audition. But, you know, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to make quick keys to make things easier. You know, I'm already trying to optimize and, you know, people are asking for more. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I know Tavern Sounds seems like a good idea, but I didn't want to commit to it because if I put Tavern Sounds in season one, episode three, our listeners are going to be like, wait, why did season one, episode four... Not have have crickets. And I don't mean crickets, but I mean nothing, right? Like, <laughs> what, you know, you set expectations for your audience. Again, if we were doing a home game and some days we wanted to play background noise and some days we, we didn't, no one's going to, you know, flip the table. But when you when you are putting it out for an audience, there you're starting to set expectations with the community. So I just didn't want to do that yet. So I kept putting it on ice. I was like, you know, we'll get there. We'll figure it out. Now I put that stuff in. One, because editing doesn't take me as long. I, you know, there's a learning curve and I, I met it. Um, two, I'm using a far better software. Um, and three, we found a really good source for this uh, type of content to layer in. We use tabletop audio and it just has everything I could pop. I very, very rarely have to go to another source to find things to kind of fill in the background. Um, and I kind of set a precedence. If you listen to an episode, it's not going to have background stuff the entire time. It'll have it when it's appropriate. I'll use it for like emotional moments, things like that. So I built up to it and I was very adamant about not just doing it because we thought it was going to be cool. Cause I knew that was going to like, you know, come back to haunt me Yeah. Uh, in the end. <laughs> That's yeah. a big commitment when you're editing. I mean, people don't realize, but for you know, and you can you can probably correct me on this, but if you're doing like an hour long podcast, you know, editing that can be eight, ten, sometimes twenty hours, uh, just trying to make sure that you're doing the right ins and outs and making making uh, the transitions that you're creating by excising out parts don't feel weird or off put. So there's all that stuff that has to go into it, um, and so adding in more sounds to that just adds maybe even exponentially to that number of, especially when you're not as used to it. So. That's a that's a huge commitment uh, to to yep. editing, and it's a big reason why people just will sometimes just turn it on and turn it off when you're done, and that's it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so yeah, talk a little bit more. I mean, maybe I'm geeking out a little bit because I'm also editing a little bit of a podcast on my own uh, for something else. Um, but you're you used GarageBand and then you went to Audition. What is what's Audition? What is that? Adobe Audition. Okay. Uh, so the Adobe, uh, like Creative Suites version of, you know, audio editor, it's basically, if you know Premiere, the video editing, it's Premiere without the video. So it's just the audio section of it. Um, it's great. Uh, so, you know, you, you open it up and you're like, what is this? What, how would I ever do anything? Um, I spent maybe a weekend on YouTube, uh, you know, in Googling weird stuff, like, compressor podcast women 
female voice, you know, things like that. And I should probably go back and feel, figure out like all the things I Googled because it's, you know, random. But everything exists on the internet. And so I found yeah. an answer to almost everything I was looking for. And when I didn't find an answer, I just, you know, tried it until uh, it worked. Um, so the transition from GarageBand, and I use GarageBand because I was familiar with it. I have done music production thingies in the past. And so GarageBand is just kind of like the easiest pre-installed version to do stuff like that. So I was just like, oh, it has a podcast setting. It must be good for podcasts. And so I started there. Um, and not that it's not good for podcasts. It's just uh, doesn't have the flexibility and it's a little bit stickier. When I say stickier, I mean like it takes me longer to do things um, in GarageBand. So started using Audition, it hit a huge wall where I was like, had optimized my flow for GarageBand, um, you know, where I cut my time in half and then I got to Audition and had to start over. I was back to, you know, these eight hour full day edit sessions for a single, you know, hour and a half session. Um, I do not miss those days. But now it's like, you know, breathing. I, I open it up and I can just go right in and I have like presets, you know, I go through and I filter, do certain compression and certain uh, equalizer and certain, you know, noise reduction. And I just, I, I can do it while, you know, sitting on the couch watching, you know, Netflix. Um, and then I go in and start, you know, chopping away. So don't be, my, my advice would be like, don't be afraid of, of software. Just give yourself that weekend. Give yourself that weekend to hunker down and be on YouTube and go into those like YouTube rabbit holes. Like you're going to find some weird stuff and then you're going to find the thing yeah. you're looking for. <laughs> so you just have to like get through the weird stuff. Safe search um, on. <laughs> yeah, safe search on. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Try the kids YouTube. Maybe you'll find more. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but that that is really good advice because... Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure people have experienced this in different aspects of their life. One for me is getting into a, like a rental car and being like, how do I connect Bluetooth? There's a oh. video for that about every single model of cars out there uh, now, which is amazing, you know. Uh, but if the same is true for for uh, editing software, uh, and you and I have experienced that where I'm like, well, how do I do this one thing? I don't know. This is really opaque uh, interface for me. Um, and then there's your Google foo has to get a little bit of an increase because you have to like see what terms you like and you know which which people are better at explaining for your specific brain pattern uh which is yep. you know its own special thing to realize but yeah you're right you can you can just do it by topic by topic you're like oh i'm stuck on something let me research that okay and then go back um or you can do the like you said just go down the rabbit hole and, and consume a whole bunch of it and hope a lot of it gets in there um and it's and it's great for that you know and it, it boils down to just do and and, and learn mm -hmm. as you go yeah yep Greg, what do you use for for editing right now? So it's funny you mentioned uh, Audition because I just I wasn't aware of that product, but I was using Premiere, uh, just oh, just only using the audio parts of it, not oh, the video parts. Oh, you of it. will love Audition. Yeah, so that's I, was, I, I didn't want to be distracted, but I was like, oh, maybe I could go download that right now. <laughs> oh. And we lost Greg. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna be okay. looking at YouTube videos, uh, learning how to do this. Yeah, right now there you go. Let me know if you happen. need any tips. Yeah, because I started on a couple, and you know, for for people, the comparison for GarageBand to Premiere is, you know, the idea that like, oh, you're, it's like Movie Maker or, or the, um, the really simple built-in uh, video editing that is in there. Yes, you can do it. And it's good for simple projects and to learn the basics of editing. But if you want to get to the, you know, the nitty gritty, having every ability at your fingertips, that's why you need the more kind of professional software. But it's probably better to start with the simple interface that you can understand and then realize where the limitations are. And then you're like, oh, mm -hmm. I can exceed those limitations by, by, by jumping into something a little bit more robust. For sure. Super nerdy. 
And I'm not talking about D&D. <laughs> Shelly, when are, when are we going to start uh, recording you uh, as Dungeon Master? And you're going to edit it as well, right? This oh, podcast. my God. Uh, two things that, that I fear greatly. I <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Don't. You just need a weekend, Shelly. You just need a weekend. Yeah, just and YouTube rabbit hole. <laughs> rabbit holes, weekend, compressing my voice. Yeah, and something. <laughs> we're good something, to something. go. <laughs> well, if I had an NPC or person who's willing to like, you know, herd my cats around, maybe it, it would be I am on call. It's on my resume. Oh. You know what I mean? So really? <laughs> Whatever you need. On so, call NPC. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I should put that on a card. That's fun. Yeah, I like it. Um, so if if it's okay with you, can we talk a, a little bit about go back to uh, D twenty Dames podcast? <laughs> Are you guys done with your? That's what Are we done? Yeah, this about. is a tech tech talk segment. <laughs> we can we can close it. You done with the tech talk? Okay. Um, so one of the things that I think that you you all do really well that you're really known for is um, being family friendly. Mm. And I always see, um, like, uh, fathers, are, you know, love to ha- get their, especially their daughters, you know, watch or listening to D20 Dames and always, you know, calling out uh, the D20 Dames as great role models and great way to introduce their kids to D&D. Was that always your intention uh, when you guys started to to present uh, a podcast in being so family-friendly and inclusive and empowering the short answer is no and i will tell you that our first concept for uh a campaign was that we were all criminals and we had we we met in a prison cell i can't remember i'm not sure why this was going to be a thing but it was like a we were going to do like a a, a rat girl spin or something Mm -hmm. anyways clearly not (laughs) yeah friendly um but when we started, when we put our business hat on and we were thinking about what we were trying to build and the type of community we were trying to build and kind of also looking at the spectrum of what was out then, we were like, okay, there's clearly a gap for, you know, an all-female podcast. There's clearly a gap for, um, I, I don't think we noticed it as family friend. I think what we noticed it as was like uh, not mature. A- everything we were coming across was mature. Um I distinctly remember uh, the, <laughs> I don't know if this is the same timing, but, you know, I I listened to The Adventure Zone and I, I've been listening to my brother and my brother and me for 10 years now, which again, time is weird. Um, huh. And so I listened to The Adventure Zone and if you if someone had asked me if that was family friendly, I'd be like, yeah, of course, it's a family. <laughs> it's, fam- it's a family playing D&D, of course. And I remember they put out their first graphic novel and on the first page was the F word. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God gosh, like children <laughs> listen to this. I think I thought like I didn't, you know, it didn't even occur to me. So, you know, again, like when you looked at the landscape, it wasn't that there was nothing that was like labeled as family friendly or anything like that. It was just all by default mature. You know, there was cursing and there was just, you know, or maybe it was super, super gratuitous and like violence. And so again, when we're trying to look for those avenues where we can kind of fit in and provide something that wasn't being provided, that was something that jumped out. So this, I think the way this manifested is we started recording and we started, some of us started swearing and we really paused and thought like, oh, do we want to curse? Is that, <laughs> is that something you want to do? Because we have to know this now. And I think yeah. logistically a podcast, when you put your podcast up on the feed, you have to, you don't have to, but you should mark if it's explicit, right? And so 
from a pure practicality standpoint, we're like, well, we don't want to market as explicit. We want our content to get out to as many people as possible. And if explicit is a flag, that's going to be like, oh, no, not going to do that. Let's not do that. So we just started going without doing, you know, without being too, we, we said, you know, a couple, you know, PG curse words. Uh, but that kind of is just something that worked naturally. And then you build on the characters. So we have Maris who's playing Rose, who's just like the sweetest monk that ever was, who just wants to hang out with people and like make friends with kobolds. That was not something we decided. She just like was that. And then you have, you know, Riot, who is this like demon child who's trying to look for her siblings, but also is just like rad and super cool and also doesn't really want to like you know, use fighting as the first tactic. Like everyone just kind of fell, like our our party kind of fell into that pattern. I say ours, but I mean theirs. It just, it fell into that. So what we got after those first few sessions was like, oh, this is a family-friendly podcast. (laughs) We just made an all-ages podcast. We made a podcast that people can download and listen to in the car with their kids um, without feeling awkward about it or without feeling like they have to turn turn it down when they hit a, you know, a really gruesome part or anything like that. Um, and I think our goal was really just to hit as many people as we possibly could and not feel make anyone feel, you know, really uncomfortable um, listening to what we were putting, which there's places in every corner of the internet and the podcast world for every little niche thing you want to do. And we were just trying to cast a really, a really wide net. So that's kind of how things um, ended up. And then we started getting those reviews and tweets, you know, I'm a dad and I listened to it with my daughter and we're like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's cool. Totally fine. Yeah, that's, <laughs> we love that. <laughs> just like kind of unbelievable and unexpected. And it only makes us want to do that more. Um, so then we kind of just double down on it. Yeah. I love that. I do. Yeah. Yeah, And so like, obviously you have a really supportive community and a a lot of loyal listeners. So was there, what, what sorts of things do you guys do to interact with your community or to build that community and foster that? Yeah, I think so. It starts with when we first started the the community of other kind of independent podcasts was really kind of it was like a tight, pretty tight knit community that we got into, and especially we're you know relatively Seattle based, and there's a lot of other kind of Seattle based um, podcasting community, especially role playing and especially D and D that we kind of you know got attached to. So the our community kind of stems from that, which is really nice. It's really, really open and welcoming and inclusive. And, you know, we, you know, often cite some of our, you know, best friend podcasters as like the, the, uh, Queens of Adventure, which is, you know, drag queens playing Dungeons oh, yeah. and Dragons, which is fantastic, right? They clearly have a type of community and it intersects with ours, not entirely like a circle, more like a stretched out Venn diagram, but still there's an intersection and it's, it's, it's fun to start building our communities off of that. Um, so a lot of our community stems from like other podcasts. Um, so that was a great start for us. Um, nowadays as we're kind of cultivating our community like on its own um we're finding discord is like it's amazing so we have a patreon and we've linked it to a discord and so if you support us on patreon at any level you get access to our discord and it's just like it's just the most fun it's we have a channel for pets and people are always putting their pet pictures in there. We have a channel for crafts because most of us love to craft and we see people's updates on like what they're, you know, what, you know, scarf they made or what cross stitch they're making. Uh, we have a food channel, obviously. Uh, we have a random channel. We have, we just, and it's just, 
like so pleasantly active. Um, and I wish we had done it sooner. Uh, I wish we had done it from day one <laughs> because it's really, really kind of the thing that makes me feel like I want to keep putting this podcast out. I want to grow this community, these people on discord. I want this to grow and I want everyone to meet each other. People have met in the discord and now do like crafting nights together. Um, people have met in the discord and now have spun up their own discords or invited them to their own channels. And, um, some of them stream on Twitch and you can see those people that are from our discord in that Twitch stream as chat. It's just like, you're literally like watching a community be built, you know, before my very eyes. And so it's, um, yeah, major props to Discord because it really kind of jump-started our interaction and engagement with the community. It was there and we were using Twitter and we were, you know, kind of engaging that way, but it's not the same as now what we have uh, with Discord and kind of making that uh, like our home. Um, yeah. I like that Discord has become not just what we used to refer to as platforms, you know, but like just a place to hang out. Like it's a, yeah. it's like it's, it's people's old, like, you know, uh, IRC channels, you know, uh, mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, back in the day when folks didn't have anywhere to hang out, they would just go on these, you know, bulletin boards and I, and just be like, oh, there's people like me. And, you know, Discord has done that uh, and let you create those so easily that it just is, you know, here's where like-minded people who are opting in to this community. So I really like that it's tied mm-hmm. to a Patreon or something like that so that it is uh, something that you have to choose to want to be a part of rather than just doing flyball, flyby, you know, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I feel like you have, you have an investment in the community when you're, when you're doing it that way. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I, I, I want to explore, explore it even more, that idea. Um, it's a good time, Discord. yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> we got the D and D one as well too, and it's it's exploding and getting more people involved, and and uh, it's 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 going to be a boon for sure. I really just want to make sure and call out that I love the double bill of uh, D twenty dames and queens of adventure uh, yeah. performing live. Uh, I guess that was last couple of years at PAX West. Yeah, uh, two years ago, I think at Cremework. Yeah, yeah, at Cremework. Yeah. Uh, yep. It was super fun <laughs> to watch you guys perform, uh, and then have. You know, because you're talking about family friendly. Uh, <laughs> your portion was definitely still very family friendly, although they yes. did veer a little bit into uh, possibly your most risque parts uh, yep. of your recordings. Um, yep. But then it goes in a completely different direction uh, when Matt Baum and the Queens uh, arrive. Yeah, it was perfect. We had we were the matinee; they were yeah. the late night show. <laughs> It worked out. It was exactly, we were like, this is kind of genius. Like, you know, you're obviously not going to bring your kids to a nightclub, but we put it out as a podcast so everyone can hear it. Um, but yeah, we did a cool cat. Well, I say we, but Kat and Matt collabed it behind the scenes to do an interesting kind of tied both of the storylines together. So we started it and there was like a relic and that relic got passed into their story and then they used it. So if you st- stayed for both shows, you there was kind of a tie-in. So yeah, that was... Man, I wish we could do something. I mean, we could do something like that again on the internet, but it was there's something really special about that that room, and it was it was a good time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, how much of your role playing and decisions that you make um, at the table are impacted by the fact that you know that you have this this audience and this community who are who are watching mm-hmm. and paying attention? That's something we always kind of struggle with, you know, because there's, as you mentioned, there's like, you know, there's the home games where you can, it doesn't necessarily matter, but you know, it must be front and center uh, to a certain extent that you're, you're going to have an audience watching the choices that you make. Yeah, that's a good question. I think to, not to try to speak for any of the teams in particular, but 
a good example of this actually is sometimes it's hard because I, as an NPC playing Karen, who has some secrets, it's, sorry, I'm going to back up because if you watch a TV show and you know, you see what's happening and you're like, if that character would just tell this character what's going on, this whole episode wouldn't be needed. And you get that frustration where you're like, just tell them the comedy of errors kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I am always that person who's like, why is this even an episode? Just talk to them and then it's solved, right? But now I'm in it, right? I can't just tell Jess or, you know, Lariah played by Jess. I can't just tell her all the things, even though she's like, it's so frustrating. Just tell me what, you know, tell me what's going on. For the storyline and for our audience and to tell it a compelling story, I have to keep things back. Even though I think it's not in my nature as Brittany, who's a person who just like, will just, you know, word vomit on you all the things I'm thinking. But Karen has to be sneakier and she has an agenda and she can't just give it all up on episode one. She needs to sprinkle it through. And so that definitely affects how I play particularly. Like, again, I could do things. I have free will. Kat's not really, you know, a a true puppet master of me, but um, I can't just say everything, right? And so again, I'm not doing this as a home game. As a home game, maybe I could be my own PC and I can... Uh, if I trust Lariah, I could go tell Lariah everything and, and we could have maybe even have a side conversation in a home game and we could, you know, that could happen, but it's hard to do that on a podcast, right? I can't really edit that exactly right. So there's things that happen that are kind of secret um, that I can't really talk about. And then Kat, again, Kat is brilliant. She has also conceived of times when we'll record little side things or everyone else will leave the recording and we'll record a little side conversation. Again, like you wouldn't do that in a home game. You we're doing it for the audience. And oftentimes Jen, who's not part of the conversation, potentially the first time she hears that is when the podcast airs, (laughs) right? Which is, which is wild. It's so cool. But, you know, we have to kind of think about things in like a multi-layered way um, which you know gets confusing. Again, these are things that like Kat has in her mind. I try to desperately write on notes and things like that, but <laughs> it can get a little complicated because we're trying to make a story that will make sense to the audience, but maybe doesn't line up with what we all know as playable characters or non-playable characters at the time. So it can get really wild, honestly. <laughs> I almost wonder yeah. too about the 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 negative of that or the 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 reaction to that, like how important that is. That, you know, because for example, Jen may know that you're having this private session, but doesn't know what occurs in it. And will mm-hmm. that change what she's think? Even on a meta level that you can't necessarily, yep. you know, prevent, should be like, oh, maybe there's something being told there. And that's, it reminds me of an acting teacher that I had in uh, at the University of Connecticut who would uh, it, it, the, the name for what he did. I'll tell you later, but it ended up being happening so often that it became, had a technique name to it. Um, but he would pull people like in doing a scene. He would pull one of the, the the performers aside in class and and have like a private conversation, but like in full view of everyone. But they would, he would be whispering to them. Mm. But what he'd be whispering me was, "I don't really have anything to tell you. Ah. I just want there to be a separation from what you're happening with the actor." So just pretend that I'm giving you some very important direction and then that you're taking it in and then we'll go back into the scene with this, you know, private moment having been Mm -hmm. witnessed by everyone in the room. And then they would go back and do the scene and it would hit differently, you know, not necessarily, you know, better every single time, but it would definitely try to hit and it would be a nice way to get through a blockage in the scene or something like that. And then 
everybody started to get the guy, the professor's name was Bob. Everyone would be like, oh, did he do secret Bob time with you? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh it's time for secret Bob time. Okay, let's go do that. Um, so I, I, I don't necessarily think that anybody wants to start doing this in their games or, or, or anything like that, but it does make me think that that might be really valuable uh, in certain situations where you want to, it's not necessarily even what you say in these private conversations. It's the fact that it was private and that it was mm-hmm. away from the rest of the group and what that might mean and what, what uh, um, you know, uh, division or, or suspicion it might sow. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like a, a D and D session with, you know, some past notes and some things only, you know, and this, whether that note says like, there's nothing on here, I'm just trying to throw off everyone else. Like that's cool too. Like that, you know, add some intrigue and some mystery, but it's actually even easier to do while we're recording. We've always recorded remotely, but for someone who's who's only played in-person home games and was trying to figure out how to go remote, it's actually really like you can, you know, deafen your microphone. You can make everyone basically not hear the rest of it and you have a side conversation. It's actually very mechanically easy, easy if you're mm-hmm. using something like Discord voice channels and things like that. So, um if you think that, that that's not available to you, if you're playing remotely now, like it actually is, and it's actually a lot easier, um, in my in my opinion. Also, chat is really nice too. You know, you can literally DM um, a secret message or a secret non-message, which now I'm going to tell Kat that that's a great idea. <laughs> Maybe she's well, been doing that the whole time. I don't know. <laughs> I Every single like, one of the meetings have been not real. Yeah. <laughs> you have reminded me of. A time when I can tell you that that is not always a good idea because I remember in my first D&D group ever, the dungeon master pulled me out of the room, stood out in the hallway with me, and he was like, I'm, I don't have anything, <laughs> much like Secret Bob me. And then he, but he was like, I really just want to cast suspicion and like secrecy and like make, make the party not trust you. Okay, go back in there. I'm like, what but he like i went back and everyone was like what what happened and i was like nothing like i wasn't no and then they they kind of turned on me because they thought that i was withholding the secrets and one thing if you had asked for that right if you had said hey i would love to plant a seed of suspicion with the rest of the party yeah yeah i did not on you Mm. and i think Mm because i was my character was like the most wholesome and most innocent and, you know, most uh, afraid of everything. I think he chose me. To, like, maybe he was trying to, like, toughen her up or, like, give her an edge or something. But it kind of backfired because the rest of the party yeah. really never trusted me. And I didn't betray the dungeon master by saying, he just, he was doing this on purpose. I don't think they would have <laughs> believed me. He secret me. He secret me, guys! And you didn't know that. No, but- a <laughs> Yeah, another universe that would have made sense. Now I feel like I need to go back in time and tell the party. I'm going to send them all. Just send them an email note now. Guys, remember that time? time? (laughs) I swear to God, I wasn't doing anything behind your back. Like even like when it sort of died down, it would like bubble up again. Like if I don't know something would happen in the game, and they would be like, maybe, maybe Astrid knows. Maybe that was the thing that they talked about. Yeah. So be careful. Be careful about with your secret bobs backfiring. Yeah. A backfire bug. Sparingly, or at least with consent. I <laughs> yes. guess that makes sense. Yeah, with consent, yes, exactly. That, like, hey, are part. you interested in doing this, you know, secret thing? No. Okay, cool. No, I'll ask I don't want to be person. used yeah. in that way. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. But. Makes sense. Well, and that also, I mean, that, uh, you know, we're, we're running uh, to the close here, but one thing I wanted to mention is that it does certainly happen where uh, 
uh, some people who are not used to playing together uh, might not know that they're overstepping bounds or things like that or unintentionally um, create situations that end up being uncomfortable, especially for women uh, and and, and uh, marginalized groups in gaming spaces like this. So, you know, that seems like it was a close to that 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 happening with you, Shelley. But, you know, I think that's something that is worth discussing. And it's one of the reasons why you probably get all those comments like you do that like that that the 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 D20 Dames is a great role model because it doesn't exhibit any of those uh, behaviors. Yeah, that's the I mean, we are again professional perfectionists. We're also very open. Um, you know, not that cat ever really puts out things that are that would make people feel, you know, feel like they go over bounds. But if she were to ever do that, she would talk to us about it. We all are very much like, yes, or definitely not. There's very little gray area in the way that we kind of operate and behave. So um, yeah, it's a, it's an important, it's an important part uh, of this whole thing too. It also plays into the editing too. Like we know we can also fall back if we do record something that feels uncomfortable anyone can be like, hey, hey, you know that part where when I said this this phrase, can you just take that out? I don't, let's completely retcon that. Like mm. beauty of, you know, also not doing this live. Like yeah. you can do stuff like that. Sometimes you say something, sometimes you slip, sometimes you slip out of character and you want to kind of come back and be like, you know what? I don't think that, you know, Karen would have said that or I don't think that, you know, um, Karen would have a- actually acted that way. And so, um, you know, if you're kind of prioritizing what you're going to edit out of your podcast, um, you know, awkward lulls in time, awkward math, and then like also people's wishes of, you know, not presenting themselves in a certain way or not presenting the characters in a certain way um, as you're kind of playing in the heat of the moment. So yeah, that's, it's another, another kind of bonus of being able to edit this, this darn thing. That is a good bonus for sure. Well, you have done amazing work in uh, you know, being being a part of the growth of this of this podcast, as well as you know your own personal growth and making it a podcast, you know, a, a producing it and editing it and making it, it happen. And uh, I think there's just going to be continuing growth and, and amazingness from D Twenty Dreams going forward. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, so, if people after listening to this uh, want to immediately start downloading, uh, you mentioned that starting at episode one uh, might be good, but you've had several arcs as well too. So, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need to start at episode one. You might be able to start. Uh, you know, what, what would be some good entry points, and maybe throw some links in there too. Yeah, I mean, if you are looking to hunker down, uh, spend a couple weekends with us in the car, if you're going on a road trip. Started episode one for sure, season one, episode one. Uh, we also have a season two recap, um, which covers a bit of uh, season one. So you can start there and then just pick up with season three, which is our, our current season. Um, we also, if you really want to get wild, we have a bunch of live shows, um, which are basically one shots and they all happen at what we call Emerald Forest Adventure Con. Um, and you can just listen to those. They are completely out of context of the rest of the show. There's a tie-in with each of the live shows. So you could start back at the beginning, but you don't have to do that. But just find all the ones that say live. Those are really fun listens. Um, there's a lot of audience participation in those too. They are recorded live. So the quality is as you'd expect. Um, but they are super fun. And also all of those adventures, most of those adventures are actually pu- published on the DMs Guild um, as one-shots um, oh, cool. from from Cat. Yeah, so those are two directions. Spend a bunch of weekends with us in a car or jump in at <laughs> season three or just join us for live shows. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what's the best, I mean, D20 Dames you can probably search for and find everything, but what's the best uh, 
you know, RSS feed or whatever that they could go to. Yeah, so uh, d20dames.com will give you oh. all of the things you need to do. And then also, if you search us on any of your podcast catchers, podcast catchers, um, you'll find us, d20dames. Yeah. Awesome. Beautiful. Uh, and where can people find you? Oh, me? Yes, just uh, in case. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter, uh, Brittany Lee. That is my Twitter handle. It's both of those names are spelled oddly. Hmm. Um, you can also find me uh, streaming video games occasionally on Facebook at fb.gg slash Brittany Games. Um, yeah, those are two good places. All right. And uh, if anyone wants to uh, hire you to be an NPC in their campaign. <laughs> I'm getting my cards ready <laughs> this weekend. On call. Right, so just reach out. You might out. be hearing yeah, from absolutely. me. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thanks so it much, is. Brittany. Thank it was you great both. talking to you. This is, this is so much fun. Yeah, yes. great talking to you too. What a delightful conversation. Oh. I feel like we covered so many topics with Brittany. So Fun, and I'm so impressed that uh, she could just learn how to edit a podcast. Yeah, like learn by in doing. a weekend. I it's know. not easy. It is not easy. It is not easy. Uh, it does take a little amount of <laughs> skill, and and uh, the perfectionist part uh, she mentioned yeah. a few times, and I think that actually has more to do with it uh, than anything uh, else. Is where you possibly uh, want to make sure you're doing the best. Uh, product that you can and she she went above and beyond yeah possibly um but yeah just uh that was really fun it was fun and i'm inspired now to as i always am with our guests to Um, jump in to create more and now i need to get adobe audition since i've been using that silly clearly Clearly. okay um and also i'm kind of into this whole professional npc gig (laughs) You think you want to do that? As a, no, as I mean, a I think hustle? I think it, it would it would be a good, like for me, if I you know try to be a dungeon master, I like the idea of having like this person that's kind of working for me and infiltrating the party and and helping. Yeah. I think it would like put me at ease. I feel like, yeah, I and mean, if that that I person can your, whisper uh, your how to do DM segment uh, with co DMing, and it's it's similar. It is similar, yeah, yeah. But and but I think it, there's a lot of of uh, benefits to having that role of NPC because, like I said, if you're if you're new to role playing or new to Dungeons and Dragons, it could be a really easy way to onboard somebody to not overwhelm them, you yeah. know, with a full on character, but just you know, just well, give them a cool job to do. I'll be your Huckleberry. I was thinking that. I'll be your NPCer. Aww. I don't know if I necessarily have uh, the skills, but uh, I can I can improvise. I just I don't have the. Of course the, you can. The, what um, skills? You know, it's it's similar to what we were talking about with the music stuff. Where if I'm in a voice, it's very hard for me to go back to that exact voice again. I end up just changing it and morphing it over time, and, and uh, can't stay consistent. So what I've learned from my how to be a DM segments is, yeah. if things like that happen, you can just say like, "That's how it is in my world." Like sometimes magic doesn't actually work the way you think it is because I forgot the rules. Um, but <laughs> but you could just say like your character, like maybe they they just they have many many voices. Man. It was a curse put on them when a witch came down their chimney once. <laughs> they were very tiny. I drank the cauldron and changed my voice. So and now I talk like this. 
So it's kind of like a cool trait. You never really know like what voice you're getting. Which is always great in an audio podcast where that's the only way people can identify characters is to have yeah, who's talking? Like, wait, now who's talking now? <laughs> well, oh, well. Yeah. at least you and I stay consistent, Shelly. We do. And consistently, you can follow me at Greg Tito on the Twitters. Thank goodness you haven't changed. I have not changed. But uh, you I'm changed a little on the Instagrams. I did. I had to. I had to put the uh, underscore in there, Greg underscore Tito for the Instagram. Where can people find you, Shelly? At Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. And I want to make sure if you want to find out anything about Dungeons & Dragons, go to DungeonsAndDragons.com. It's on go the website. There. There's so many amazing things there with more fun things to come. But perhaps the best recommendation I can give for you is to download Dragon Plus onto your uh, iOS phone or Android phone or if you just don't like phones uh, <laughs> go to dragonmag.com and you can get all that same content there it's it's a new issue every two months full of previews interviews uh, content that you can use in your D&D games um, and so yeah check it out and original fiction, original fiction written by some of the greatest minds of our time like Mark Price yeah he was, who he is a co-worker and a great writer. Just yeah. kidding. I mean, he really is all that. But I also mean Greg Tito. Oh, thanks, Shelly. Uh, there's a lot of dialogue in this story, uh, and I changed my voice uh, throughout it. Well, maybe we could. Could it. you do like a reading, like a, oh an gosh. excerpt from it on on a future episode? Maybe. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. That'd be lots of fun. I can I can debut my gnome uh, voice. Yes. Which is. Uh, Pretty consistent because you'd just be like a, a cute, high-pitched voice, uh, which is very good. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, I know that there's a cute, high-pitched voice in Ryan Marth who does uh, all the video, <laughs> uh, audio production for uh, Dragon Talk. Shout yes. out to him and thank you uh, for producing and editing all this fun stuff. After talking to Brittany, <laughs> I know a little bit more about what you do. <laughs> yes, we know fantastic. it's a lot. Yes, it's You wouldn't lot. know it by looking at him, but he does have a very high-pitched voice. Um, very like a bat yes. like a bat screeching in the night it's like a, yeah right. and I'm gonna that's, that's say true. that <laughs> like a screechy bat um, <laughs> I'm just gonna keep saying that until Ryan agrees to be a guest on Dragon Talk so he can dispute the claims about his screechy bat voice nice we gotta have a behind the scenes <laughs> Dragon Talk uh, we'll, it will also include Lisa Carr who did a fantastic job uh, producing and getting everything ready for our guests uh, and thank you to both of you. And if you want to give a shout out on any podcast platform out there <laughs> um, to those two individuals, I think you should do it. I think you should say Siren Sound is the bomb and yep. you should listen to Dragon Talk whenever you can. Spread the word about this podcast uh, to as many people as you can because it always gets more people in the hobby, which is what we want. More Dungeon Masters out there. Yep. Yep. Five stars for Ryan and Lisa. Three and a half for Greg and Shelley. <laughs> Wah. That's better than the three I used to get all the time. <laughs> I'm getting better with that half a star. <sighs> well, now is the time to continue our ongoing saga of Brittany Two Shoes. As Brittany she, Two Shoes. Brittany Two Shoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we have to get her we to come in and guest mate. as an NPC. Yeah. We definitely need, I need a new litter mate. Oh. If I can't find Daryl, I've got to find my sister, Brittany. Yes. Oh, that's a great idea. All right. Now I got to call her up on her 
business card number. Yes. <laughs> NPC on call. <laughs> well, no. Well, that'll be in a future installment. But for now, let's I see love it. where we go with Drunky Two Shoes. Last we caught up with you, the tabaxi was pulled up on a smuggling boat that you were trying to commandeer in order to chase after your litter mate, Daryl Two Shoes. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, a very strapping sailor uh, had a uh, a touching moment with you, brought you on board this ship, but his boss, a very short human that is uh, very angry, is like, you need to throw her off the, bo- off, the, off the boat. We got things to do and things to handle. And you, Drunky, decided to attack. Yeah. And failed. I believe you rolled poorly and did not I, attack. I, yes, I remember. All right, so uh, he pulls a dagger, uh, the short man, and he says, oh, I'm oh, going to make short work no. of you, and he tries to attack you. Oh, no. Um, and he rolls someone... an 11 on the die, so we'll say he's got a plus four. Yeah. Uh, and a 15. Mm. Do you think a 15 would hit yeah. Drunky's uh, armor class? Yes. All right. You very quickly take six points of damage. Uh. As that happens, though, uh, your very muscular sailor friend uh, yes. with, with uh, long, flowing, brown Fabio hair uh, <laughs> picks up your assailant uh, after he <gasps> stabs you. And he's like, you... And he says, uh, uh, you don't do that to women. And he picks <gasps> uh, up his boss and throws him overboard. Yes! Yes! That's what Drunky does. Yes! Ow! Oh, oh. But grabbing her wound because, ow, it hurts. But yes! Uh, and uh, he gives hero. you a high five. And then Drunky says, let's go. Just go. Please take off. Take off. To Waterdeep. Uh, he rolls. Um, and uh, he says, well, why, why do you want to go to Waterdeep? Uh, just take me there. And I will tell you. Uh, his boss is sputtering in the water, being like, you better not leave me here. Ah, splash, 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 splash. Uh, Drunky, and- you can have my, my boat. You can take my boat. I'm taking yours. Bye, sucker. <sighs> um, and the sailor who saved you uh, looks at you. Uh, very, he's like, what's your name? Drunkina. <laughs> he says, that's quite a coincidence. My name is Drusus. Really? Yes. Nice to meet you, Drusus. Nice to meet you. Uh, he looks at you for just a, a fraction of a second more until he then turns to, all right, and he, the one remaining sailor has kind of been not doing anything. Um... He says, change of plans. We're getting out of here. Yes. Uh, and they start furling, unfurling the sails again and uh, pushing off, leaving the boss. And we'll Bye-bye. take care of time. Yay! Drunky has a friend! To see how far you can get chasing uh, <sighs> uh, the boat that left for Waterdeep about an hour ago. That's very exciting. Very exciting. We'll pick it up next time to see Thank the you. ongoing adventures Finally. of Drunky Two Shoes. Finally, Drunky's luck is turning. Luck is turning. It's true. Yes. Until the next time you have to roll a die. Yeah, thanks, thanks for not having any die rolls. Even when I pulled my, my die out of my drawer, it was on a one. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> this means Even, something. 
Yes, bad omen. Bad well, omen. Well, now I just want to make you roll just to see how we can close right. this out. So roll. 15. 15. That means all good things are going to happen going forward. Yay, for everyone. You'll Inspiration for everyone. Inspiration for all of you listening all for the way to all the end of this. Dragon Talk listeners. You can tell your dungeon master that Greg Tito and Shelly Mazinoble said you have inspiration. It's the least we could do because you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> <Ha>! Yay. <laughs>